0: those that don't subscribe to a gender, everyone who survived the zombie apocalypse, welcome back to Megan Talks The Last of Us. We are in the penultimate episode of season one of The Last of Us, episode eight, When We Are In Need. Much different episode than last week, Spencer. What'd you think of it?
1: I, I rather liked it. I thought it was well-constructed. I thought it was well-acted. It played a lot more into zombie and apocalypse themes, though, so the presumption I had when I was watching the episode was that it would not be among your favorites. Was I right in that presumption?
0: Difficult to say, uh, which I know that's the whole point of the podcast, just for me to say. <laughs> but but I guess, uh, yeah. So in one hand, it did play more into the tropes of this type of show. It was more, even though it wasn't fighting zombies, it was still very much the sort of like bang, bang, shoot em up stuff. But I think it was exploring things that were very interesting in a post-apocalyptic world. Mm-hmm while uncomfortable interesting it also really put my girl ellie in really tense difficult situations and she had to sort of perform in those situations and so i think it was there's definitely a lot of trauma but also some plot growth for ellie and so i'm always going to like that because i I do like following ellie very closely
1: yeah ellie and joel i feel like this I think you finally got the culmination of the relationship. If they're not at a 10 at this point, I don't know how else you're assessing this. Yeah,
0: Maybe. they're at a 12. Yeah, it, it, absolutely. So actually, I'm going to surprise you a little bit. I, there are parts of the episode I didn't like, but it was one of my, among one of my more favorite episodes because awesome. you got, it was basically the trials of Ellie. You know, she's going mm-hmm. through really difficult situations and having to come out of them a lot of trauma, and then, of course, the reunion with Joel at the end. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I thought it was a really good episode. What did the internet think, Spencer? What did the internet think of this episode?
1: I, I, I've developed a habit of checking IMDb after our last few episodes, and this is tied for the best-rated episode of the season, based on IMDb ratings, with a 9.5. Care to guess what episode it's tied with?
0: would have to be episode one.
1: Uh, no, episode one is up there, but not. It, uh endurance survive the episode of when we got the zombie apocalypse inflicted on K- on Kansas City?
0: Ah, uh, yes. Okay. All right. Well, there you go, folks. Uh, cannibalism and pedophilia always going to rate higher <laughs> than homosexuality on uh, the internet.
1: It, you know it, that's how the internet works, sir. It's good. It's good. We're finally recognizing this.
0: So we will go through the episode beat by beat, doing a recap. Spencer will chime in, winning anecdotes interesting stories, comments, thoughts, jokes. And then we will go to best line of the episode. Spencer will supply me with nominees, but I am a god emperor of the segment. I and I Mm -hmm. alone will select best line of the episode. Then we'll go to familial moment of the episode. Pretty obvious winner here for familial moment of the episode. And then we have uh, ethical questions of the episode, which I actually, through my notes, have a few moments where I felt like, Potentially, we could be teasing out some ethical questions of the episode, which I will, I'll throw in, and you can take the suggestions or not. Mm-hmm. But then I'd like to do a little housekeeping. We have a lot of housekeeping. There's a lot going on for the Mango Talks podcast channel. Probably the most we've ever had going on at any single at point. one time. Ever. Yeah. Uh, we have Mangum Reads, which is like a sort of digital podcast book club that there's a podcast within that called Pottering Around which is a chapter-by-chapter chapter reread of Harry Potter, which Spencer is on, that is started back up. I think y'all are in book five now. Mm-hmm. And you're going through book five. So we have that. We have this podcast, which we'll is Wrap It Up, Mangum Talks, The Last of Us. We have The Lasso Lowdown, which is a episode-by-episode episode review of Ted Lasso, which is coming back next week, Spencer, which you and mm-hmm. I will be leading. Spencer does the recap for the Lasso Lowdown. it's a whole different podcast feat called the Lasso Lowdown. If you want to listen to Spencer and I talk about Ted Lasso. Season three of Ted Lasso. Go over and subs- subscribe to that. Spencer, season three. Last season of Lasso. Oh my goodness. I'm shocked by this.
1: I've been enjoying your increasingly horrified messages that you've been sending. As the shows that you and I had talked about where, you know, they said previously this would be the last season. But they then they've never repeated it. So maybe it isn't have in the last week confirmed that they're in their last season, including not just Ted Lasso, but also Succession.
0: Exactly, Succession. So that's another thing we have going on in the podcast, uh, this Mangum Talks podcast channel. We have Line of Succession, which is another podcast feed where Spencer and I go and review episode by episode Succession. We have done the first three seasons. We will do season four, which is starting toward the end of the month. Also, all on top of this, the Mandalorian is back over on Disney Plus. <laughs> Spencer and I and Jamie reviewed episode one of Mandalorian. Jamie and I mm-hmm. will be reviewing that week by week, so you can go over to Make Them Talk Star Wars to review that. So we're gonna have something like four or five pods going at one time. Absolutely something crazy, a lot of balls in the air. But Spencer and I, are podcast professionals, gonna knock it out. Gonna do it. Don't worry about it. No big deal.
1: Who needs sleep? I mean, honestly, really.
0: Passé. It should be easy though, because you're. I'm gonna do Succession, where I'll lead the recap, and then you're gonna do Lasso, where you lead the recap, and then we'll have those mm-hmm. two pods going at the same time. And then I'll also do Mandalorian with Jamie. Should be a lot of fun. But before we get to all of that fun, we got to wrap up The Last of Us. So we start with the penultimate episode, When We Are in Need. We start with the Succession trailer. Hey, can we play a new game? Mm. Best line of the trailer. <laughs> i didn't take notes
1: on it though which one
0: do you i've do, which got one are you gonna three pick? for you please one i hate you you understand that roman to magnus um i want to kill the opposition cut their throats we're mm-hmm. pirates logan roy and then logan roy i love you but you are not serious people to his children Go. I mean, obviously that one's got to win that, that that, I think that's the ultimate summary of the entire damn show with that one line. So much fun with the succession trailer. We're going to enjoy doing that a little later in this, in this month over on the line of succession podcast feed. The previously on has Ellie at the mall with Riley, Joel telling Riley to, or Joel telling Ellie to leave and then Ellie and Riley sitting there. And I believe this is Riley's quote, whether it's two minutes or two days, we don't give that up. Interesting quote, because I think it can probably be applied to Ellie and Joel now. No cold opening this week. We start with a town covered in snow and the voiceover of Revelation 21. And I saw a new heaven, not a new earth for the first heaven and first earth were passed away. And I heard a great voice out of heaven say, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. I got to
1: ask you. In terms of odds, when a character in an apocalyptic setting or a fantasy setting or a horror setting is reciting revelations, what are the usual odds in that guy being a villain? Or at least being moderately insane, even if they prove somewhat positive before the end of the story?
0: 100% cult leader. 100%. They go even farther than I expected in this episode.
1: (laughs) Before you were done, we mixed in not only cult. But some other aspect. Yeah, and not awesome fair decorum. to
0: me. I did, I did like Southern preacher. Definitely not Southern preacher in this. No, but that's all no, I. No. That's really all I got with preacher. You you're, tell me. Do a preacher? I do a Southern preacher. That's all I got.
1: You're, you're hearkening back from memory. Draw from your experience. And I
0: saw a new heaven. Uh, <laughs> the man stops reading and sees someone crying. It's a young girl. He walks over, takes his glasses off, and says he's read the passage too many times. He gets down on his knees, getting face to face with her, and asks, "Do you remember what comes next?" She shakes her head. No. He says, this is David, by the way, uh, we get his mm. name later, but I'll go ahead and start calling him David and God will wipe away all tears from their eyes and that there will be no more death, neither sorrow or crying, neither where there will be any more pain for the former things are passed away. He asks her if she knows what that means. Spencer, so, you know what that means?
1: I have an idea. Yes.
0: He grabs her arm and kind of rubs it. She asks him. When can we bury him? Crying. Other people look solemn. He says the ground is too cold to dig. They'll bury her father in the spring. He stands at the doorway greeting people as they leave like preachers do. That's sort of mm-hmm. like preachers greeting people as they leave. And he tells one person they'll get through this.
1: This looks like a proper man of the community. You know, a rallying point for everyone to come together and be able to express their emotions and feelings and, you know, confusion about the world. You know, this kind of pillar of the community is something I think we need more of on this show.
0: Yeah. Usually the people who are committing crimes in your community do actually try to be pillars in your community. And I kind of, kind of rocked my, my wife's world one day when I explained that, when I said, I explained to her that like, typically if you have a area that is maybe more impoverished and there's a, a very big drug dealer in that area, Mm -hmm. they're actually well known. They're not, it's, 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 it's not that they're like, they're not hiding. Like, it's act, they're actually, like, at Christmas giving out, like, baked hams and shit to, the, to make sure yeah. everybody in the community loves them, like, you know, and, and therefore will be complicit in their crimes. I think a lot of that's going on here with our with this guy, David. Yeah, if I, I'm going
1: to ask you over the course of the episode, because you know, I've played the game, I don't know what's going to happen. What was your level of suspicion on this guy on a 10-point scale as we went through it? Where do we start based on this conversation?
0: Well, at this point, I, I, I really don't. I couldn't have seen cannibal and pedophile coming at this point. Um, fair. fair. <laughs> at this point, I just thought maybe, you know, Corrupt. sort of. Well, not even that at this point. I mean, I, the only thing I have is that he kind of rubbed this little girl's arm a little bit too close, and he's reading Revelation. And so I kind of mm-hmm. thought maybe we were getting like drink the Jello type deal.
1: Ah, uh, Jamestown.
0: Yeah, that's kind of what I thought we were getting, but you know, obviously we went different. He then pulled aside with just one other guy whose name's James. Ask the other guy how much they have left, venison, elk, rabbit. He says that if they keep, James says that if they keep the whole town on rations, maybe a week, two at best. Oh, this is Josiah. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, 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 this is James. No, you,
1: I, was, I, I misspoke. It was Jonestown rather than Jamestown, the reference to the Kool-Aid. Oh, Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. In South
0: Africa, yeah. Right,
1: right. Or Guyana, South America.
0: South America, that's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. where they drank the Kool-Aid, killed everybody. It was a really, really awful situation. Mm-hmm. He says, Josiah and Mar- Martin... Think that they spotted some deer a couple miles east. He's skeptical. He goes to walk off, and the guy calls out to him, James. I sense doubt in there. James says, "They haven't lost faith in you, David. They're just scared." David says, "Not from them." James Hmm. looks around and says, "I still believe." It's been a, it's been a a tough last six months. He said, "It's been a, the last six months have been hard." David Mm -hmm. says it has been for all of them, but I need to know you are with me. James said he is good. Now go get our guns. We're going hunting. James says, all right. And takes off. So from this scene, the only thing I have that David might be a problem is the sort of ongoing loyalty test. Like anytime by, yeah, my, my, my personal opinion on this is anytime you have a leader that constantly demands a loyalty test, like are, are you with me? Are you my kin? Are you, you know, are you like this constant testing Mm -hmm. you usually have a problem that's usually insecurity
1: it definitely could be a sign of insecurity in in terms of trivia by the way the actor that is playing james is troy baker who is the voice actor of joel in the video game so this is i think the third or fourth voice actor we've had actually acting in the show
0: oh wow and the guy who plays david was on true detective
1: which which season actually I i don't remember him i believe it was three I didn't watch that one because season two disappointed me so much.
0: We're left with David's POV as James walks away. Cut to Ellie, who's checking Joel's wound. It doesn't look good. Very bright red. Yeah, it's, that's some infection in there. Starting to get dark. Ellie then puts some water on Joel's lips. I mean, she is... I mean, je- Nursing him. Yeah, and like the thing about Ellie is I would think she has a lot of natural skills. I would not think bedside nurse to sick person is something in her wheelhouse, right? She's really having Mm. to stretch what probably comes natural to her to be this type of caretaker for Joel. Uh,
1: Very much so. This is just a reflection of just how far the relationship has come because we've seen Ellie. Bedside manner and her don't really exist in the same zip code as each other, but she is nursing this guy with every fiber of emotion and caring that she can summon.
0: She takes out a piece of paper that has some food in it and she's sort of eating maniacally, or manically. And I think that the reason she's eating that way is because she just doesn't know what to do next. Yeah. And she that, leaves that some looked food. like a certain
1: element of panic in there. Yeah. I mean, just, you know.
0: She leaves some food on his chest, but Joel isn't moving. She looks over at the gun, then leans in and says, I'm going to be right back, okay? She steps out with a gun, walks into the yard. Spencer, what was her plan here all along? It was definitely to hunt, but it was it to just walk until you see game? Because that's not how you normally hunt.
1: I, I, I don't mean... She hasn't really been trained in hunting that we've seen before. She has. She's only fired a rifle that we've seen once before, anyway. And you know, you who have you you who have gone hunting before, please give your girl Ellie some tips on how to hold a rifle, because even I was recognizing that wasn't a great a great holding gesture. Um, but it really seems like her strategy here is I'm going to wander off in the wilderness and try to shoot something and bring it back because I have no other idea what else to do.
0: Yeah, I mean there's all kinds of problems in this plan. A, that's not how you hunt pretty much any game other than maybe birds walking around like that <clears throat> because you make it so much noise, the game are going to run away from you. Two is does she have any idea how to slaughter it? Does she have a knife to slaughter it? Does she know how to bleed it, etc. Three, which which Joel actually mentioned before about her bleeding the animal. Three, are they going to eat raw meat? Can she make a fire? I mean there's just a lot, but you know
1: Four as comes up here Is she big enough to to bring it back If she shoots something like a full on You know buck As we see she lacks the body mass Necessary to haul that massive creature Back to the house
0: Well it also I'm not sure she left home thinking she'd get a deer She might have been thinking rabbit Rabbit So she sees something Maybe a fox She takes off after it but she slips and falls Gun goes flying Whoop she sort of looks up like shit, and she walks on.
1: It, it, I believe it was, a, it was a, a white snow rabbit, which is an in-game reference in many ways, too. This oh, rabbit right. got off a lot easier than, the, than in the video
0: game. What is the in-game reference to?
1: Uh, I think it's in Last of Us 2, of where the game kind of starts with a, a, a rabbit seemingly just playing around happily before an arrow comes out of nowhere and just impales it into the ground. But, so this rabbit did better than its, pre- than its uh, cousins in the video game.
0: She walks on, then she hears something. She pulls her gun up. She looks and she sees a deer. She gets down. She points the name. The deer is looking up. She shoots and she clearly hits it. The deer run runs a bit. She follows the bloody tracks. This is not how you deer hunt. This is not uh, remotely how you deer hunt. You know, this is so you, you came to visit me a few months ago. That was really mm-hmm. cool of you because it's always very difficult to carve time out and schedule and to travel. So I really appreciate you doing that. When you got here, we played basketball. Now you went out. Because you are a good friend, and you're like, ah, I know Lee likes to shoot basketball, so I'll shoot basketball with him. That is not your thing. You don't play the game. Mm-mm. You did make some shots, but you made shots despite your poor form.
1: <laughs> this is perfectly true. This yeah.
0: is what Ellie is doing. Like, well, you would you would make them. They would go in. They'd bang off the backboard, and I would look and I'd go, Well, he did make it. But he made it despite the elbow not being tucked in, despite the left hand not guiding, despite not proper, you know, <laughs> knee <laughs> knee flex. All this stuff. Same thing with Ellie here. She literally the idea that you could just walk through a forest, see find a, a deer. find a deer and shoot it, especially when this entire troop of people is having trouble with game. Ellie is a very very fortunate person. I think she just are you just that damn lucky?
1: As some characters bring up later. I- even just the fact that she got the shot to hit, and a good shot too, given it dropped a few, you know a few hundred yards later. Previously, she hadn't been able to hit a target, but this one, by will of providence, perhaps, as we discussed with you later in this episode, the shot goes true.
0: You ready for me to read way too much into the episode? Please. So it starts with revelation. Yes. There is constant references to religion, specifically Christianity. And Mm -hmm. the idea of is there luck, is there not luck, basically deity oversight, God's oversight into Mm -hmm. this master plan. I don't know if you caught it, but right before Ellie shot, there was a, a close up shot of the deer that was making eye contact with Ellie. So I'm ready to read into this that it God was God placed that it, deer on it, earth the, for her. The, yeah, it was divinely sent for her. Yes, exactly. I think that's the maybe the message they were sending us. Because you when you when you go right to the deer's face, the deer is looking right at Ellie. It made a point of getting as close to Ellie as possible, showing its broadside and then staring right at her as it waited for the shot.
1: You know, given the 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 overarching themes of the episode, perhaps this is something we will need to unpack by the end.
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Probably reading way too much into it, but you know, the author is dead. So who gives a shit what they yeah, meant? Who cares what they meant? You know, you know what what's a real good the author is dead exercise? Please. Rewatching Game of Thrones.
1: <sighs> yeah. I don't know how much you can get away from it at the end though.
0: Because you you can, because you have like, I think in order to enjoy season seven and eight, especially seven and eight, but maybe five, six, seven and eight, once they really deviate from the books, you have to just ignore what the showrunners say and say, you know what? Mm -hmm. I'm just going to interpret it myself. And a matter of fact, I think that's probably a really good exercise for anybody watching these shows is like bunk. What the people making it say, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to enjoy it more. If you, if you roll with your own interpretation,
1: We've talked about before that neither us particularly the you know, uh, post episode uh, show creator discussion about what they meant and what we should get out of the episode. I appreciate enough that HBO includes it. People to want to be there. But
0: kind of like you said,
1: I prefer to, to interpret it on my own.
0: Cut back to James and David. They find the dead deer. David says, whoever shot it is probably nearby. Well, is that the type of d- just deadbolt? Steadfast logic that got him elected leader of this group. Thank you, David. I appreciate it. You're real bright. Who would have
1: reached that conclusion on their own? I ask you.
0: Here's the thing. When somebody is a cannibal and a pedophile, I feel like I can just make fun of them in a very bullying, childish way. (laughs) So that's what I'm going to do this entire time. I'm going to talk about how Mm -hmm. David looks like a dweeb, how he's, he's overly warm because he's socially awkward i'm going to talk about mm. how he's an ugly guy with bad shoes i'm going to enjoy teasing david the entire episode well you know why because fuck david
1: this is this is like you know making something that insults the nazis there's no ethical limit to what you can say or do the guy is a cannibal pedophile he is the lowest of the low we can't go anything anything else you want to shovel on top of him, he's already dug his own hole
0: yeah you can absolutely pants this guy put glue in his hair and shove his face in sand and everyone will cheer it's okay
1: at, we will need to debate, though, how broadly that extends. Clearly, he has a circle of followers that are in the know, at least for the cannibal aspect of things, but it seems like not everyone is.
0: Then we hear Ellie in her most serious of voices. <laughs> don't! Drop your rifles! Now! Are you, in, are you intimidated, sir? Are
1: you intimidated? Does Absolutely. Make your blood run coal?
0: Oh, of course. Yeah, she's crushing it. They drop their rifles very slowly. Not. They don't look very scared. She tells them to turn around and face her. Slow. Any sudden movements... I'm going right between your eyes. Ditto for buddy boy. (laughs) (laughs) She's trying. She's trying so hard. Ah, I love buddy boy. That's that one made me laugh. Buddy boy. Turn around and walk away. David asked for 10 seconds of her time. 10 seconds. You know what this is? This is you are about to shut down. The Jehovah witness is at your door he's at the door. You're about to shut the, the door and he the just goes, 10 just seconds Ten just give me 10 seconds, please. I mm-hmm. came all the way across the country just to tell you this. I have this pamphlet for you. Um, he wants 10 seconds. He introduces himself and James. He says she's from, he says he's from a larger group. They are all hungry. Ellie lies that she's from a larger group does not mm-hmm. lie and says they're also hungry guns still pointed at them. James says he's not asking for charity. She can't drag the deer back by herself. So he wants to trade her for some of it. He says he has boots. Then she you know, says... This you is know, the, he, go ahead. The, guy,
1: the, guy, the guy's not a bad marketer. You got to give him credit. He's, hit, he, he, he's trying to spend this in a situation of where... Let's work together. You're good people. You obviously can't make full use of this. Let help me help you. Here, but so here's the strategy, including introducing himself, too.
0: Yeah, but here's the thing. This is how... And I'm going to talk about this a lot through the episode... This is how people who abuse minors operate. This Mm -hmm. is how pedophiles operate. They they start to, and he's, he's, he's doing it here in a way that's almost innocuous, but it becomes very apparent what he's doing later. They latch on to real things to manipulate for instance for instance they'll go you know like your dad mistreats you your mom's not fair to you i mean there may be some
1: they're playing on doubt playing on weakness
0: yeah there may be some element of truth in that in the relationship a child might have with their parents and how it's strained or whatever or they're you know may get bullied or whatever the pedophile will will prey on that i think david has a from what i can tell i think david has a lot of experience doing this (laughs)
1: it seems seems second
0: nature to him so then this is where I really want to ask a question so then she says medicine like for infections Ellie asked Spencer was it smart for Ellie to immediately show her and asking for medicine up front question
1: I think she's she's coming across too desperate uh, and she's playing into what the thing that she can't know here is that these guys are affiliated with the guy that Joel killed she does not know that and I don't think she has necessarily a reason to suspect that even so that I'm not gonna I'm not gonna mark against her but in terms of the desperation in her voice and the fact that she goes into it hard she's revealing her hand about she's in desperate circumstances and that they've got technically the uh, the high ground when it comes to the negotiating
0: yeah, I, don't, I actually don't think it was a smart move for her to immediately ask. Her. I know she gets the medicine, and that does save Joel's life, and that's really important. But I think that the only reason she got the medicine is because David was targeting her for abuse. It wasn't because of any strategy that she employed.
1: Well, well as we see from James here several times, James's presumption throughout all of this is that, well, obviously, we're going to kill her. I mean, obviously, we're going to tr- trick her and betray her and shoot her when her back is turned. Like, Totally. And he's legitimately surprised that David isn't doing that. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. They've done this before.
0: Weren't you waiting for James to look at David and go, her? Yeah. (laughs) Dude, come on again with this? Like, I was hoping he would have that conversation, but obviously scared of him. James makes a mention of her going back with them to his camp. She says, I'm not going anywhere. Buddy boy can go get it. Buddy boy. That's funny. It's very, very good writing for a a, a preteen, right? To a preteen something.
1: trying yeah. to appear tough, trying to appear intimidating. Yeah, she
0: like saw that in a movie or something. Anyway, anyone else comes back and he finishes the sentence for her. I put one right between your eyes and he touches right between his eyes. David finishes mm. the sentence for her. David turns to James, tells him to go to talk to Howard, get two bottles of penicillin and a syringe. James is so confused. And then he drops this. It's not code, James. Do as I said. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> little the instructions are there on the page james walks then runs away ellie tells david to take 10 steps back he does that's your dad's gun is he the one that's sick
1: mm, mm, mm. is that
0: why you're out here on your own see how much information he could gather just from her asking for medicine that quickly
1: yeah hey guys let's give it let's give david at least some credit He's reading Ellie remarkably well, remarkably quickly. Not that she's do, making much of an effort to hide things.
0: Oh, no, he's, he's extremely manipulative. Mm-hmm. And I think to, to be manipulative on the scale that he's been successful at, you have got to be able to read people really well. Yeah. Um, and he can, obviously. And that that's dangerous when you have that behind a pedophile. Mm. David suggests they start a fire. Ellie tells him to bring the deer with them. So David does. Cut to a shot of the deer's dead face. Again, the deer's dead face. Spencer. Look at that, staring still. God watching. God is doing this. (laughs) When they are inside some sort of shed, maybe? I don't know what that was. I I paused it. I couldn't really tell.
1: He kind of gestured to the house behind them, so I think they kind of went to some aspect of that home.
0: (laughs) Well, it looked like a shed, but then it had light fixtures on the ceiling that really didn't Mm. look like a shed, so I I wasn't sure what, what they were in. So then they started a fire. David mentions... She shouldn't be out there on her own. She's like, you shouldn't be out here on your own. I like that. This, this, is, the, this is the strategy I employ. So Spencer and I sometimes will get together and like, cause live far away. Mm. We'll get together for like weekends or two, three nights to just, you know, hang out to make yeah. it worth the trip. Times. Make it worth the trip. We're not gonna just spend money for a flight just to hang out for an afternoon, right? It's a couple, yeah. usually a couple of days. So he keeps a sleep schedule that I do not keep. <laughs> It's unbelievable. No day, almost little, literally unbelievable how little sleep he has. So, like usually, right around two to three a.m., I'll start doing exactly what Ellie's doing here to Spencer. He'll just say, "You hungry?" And I'm like, "You hungry? <laughs> you sleepy? <laughs> Are you sleepy? I
1: don't know. <laughs> Haven't thought about that, but yeah, I really feel called out right
0: now. <laughs> you want a cup of coffee, Terry? You look tired. Or do you want a cup of coffee? Yeah, that's usually what I do. So he says, "Fair enough." And I gotta say, this fucker—I hate him so much. When he charming. says, "When he says fair enough," it was pretty charming the way he said it. I, and mm-hmm. you know, this actor—I I really think the actor got notes. Like, I, I mean, obviously he did, but like, yeah. it was like be disarming, be charming, be,
1: be the, someone you inherently want to trust.
0: Right, but be that—be the level of that you have to be to be an abuser. Yeah. Right, and that's what he's he's doing. The actor's doing a great job, I think, and it's really kind of terrifying how good he mm-hmm. is at it. Now, every once in a while, I'm like, "Ooh, this guy's charming." Then I'm like, "Wait a second. Wait, I'm gonna beat this guy's face in with a tire iron." Why am I saying he's charming?
1: <laughs> Don't worry, your girl, your girl Ellie will get your will get that goal across the finish line by the end.
0: You ask her her name. She doesn't give it. It's hard to trust strangers. I know, but I honestly mean you no harm. <laughs> <laughs> Two thumbs down to that <laughs> statement. <laughs> <laughs> fuck this guy David tells her there is room for her in their group you're inviting me to your hunger club no thanks I see I didn't even have to make fun of him there she she did yeah. it for me he says it's true we're hungry but we're still here which is a good point you know to be alive 20 years after the apocalypse you you have to be doing something well, right
1: the, the one thing he does very smart throughout all this conversation is that he concedes points he is willing to show a certain measure of weakness and it makes him appear more honest by doing so like, she, she makes fun of the fact you guys are starving. It's like, yeah, we're all, but we're still making it through. She, there's a few points that she, she's hitting him on, and he basically just kind of, yeah, that's true. But let me talk about it a bit.
0: David, it's, it's valid strategy. David says he's a decent man, just trying to take care of his people. That's true. In the same vein that it's true that clearly Chris, Chris Rock has completely gotten over the slap with Will Smith. <laughs> that Both of those things are just as true as each yeah. other. Yeah, yeah absolutely yeah.
1: plain evidence i've seen the netflix specials <laughs> yeah
0: chris, chris like i'm over it and then he does 25 minutes yeah. about how much will smith is a piece of shit uh yeah this guy complete fucking liar ellie picks up on that ask him if he is their leader when i say ellie picks up on that she picked up on his use of the phrase his people mm-hmm. and she asked him if he's the leader and he confirms that he is says it's was their choice and she goes, "Is this some sort of weird cult thing?" He said, "Uh, well, you sort of got me there. I am a preacher." Spencer, question. Mm-hmm. Point of order, please. Wouldn't most preachers push back against the idea that they're running a cult? He seeded that point, which I didn't think most preachers, if they truly believed in this scripture and the the whole thing, they would they would say, "Well, wait a second, it's not a cult." I, I I've God, doesn't that, bat an eye to the word cult. I, I mean,
1: he isn't ordained. He wasn't a preacher from the old world. He's had to find his own way now. That requires, I'm sure, a certain measure of humility. Th- this could be explained away.
0: Yeah, it gets explained when he's talking to her when she's in the cage, and he explains he doesn't even believe in this shit. It's a way yeah. to manipulate people.
1: I, Karl Marx would be so happy with that ultimate resolution
0: to the religion plot. Ellie then says, the whole world ended, and you still believe that shit? She is funny. She makes mm-hmm. me laugh. David confirms he started believing after the world ended. Well, eh maybe you recognized it as a tool to manipulate people after the pittsburgh qz fell i don't know potato potato before that
1: it's been 20 years the man could have gone on an arc off camera we don't know
0: before that i was a math teacher taught kids about your age (laughs) (laughs) spencer
1: really really once we get once we finish the episode come
0: back to that line that is a real rough line i fucking hate that line oh my god that's like just this little window into like, this guy's old too. He's probably 50 but of maybe 20 years of fucking abusing children in a public school system. Oh my God. He sucks. Allie asked him, uh, Ellie asked him if he went from teacher to preacher because it rhymes. So she's just sort of trying to make small talk for someone who's 14 years old. David jokes with her. And says Yeah, exactly. David then says he found God after the apocalypse, which is either the best or worst time to find him again. Face needs to be beat in with a tire iron that's a, again another moment where i'm like ah fuck it, guys fucking jesus
1: uh,
0: fucking again, charming he,
1: he knows how to i'm not the words that came to mind were inspire and motivate but that's not correct he knows how to manipulate people quite successfully and we can see him as just an artist at work here
0: david mentions that pittsburgh qz fell in 17 fireflies and fedra I, I took by that throwaway comment Fireflies and Fedra to mean that it was the same sort of conflict we're seeing in a lot of these QZs that it, it fell because the Fireflies and Fedra were fighting.
1: And wasn't Frank the one also fleeing Pittsburgh uh, back in episode three?
0: Yeah, yeah, he did. You're, that's a great call. I did not connect that, but that is exactly what he said. He, he, he was leaving the Pittsburgh QZ and he was the only one that made it all the way to Boston. In different directions. And he, with a few other. Um, a few others took off. Ellie mentions they are a long ways from Pittsburgh. Shout out to Ellie for paying attention in class at federal school. She knows her geography. Shout out. Look, that might seem simple, but that, has, that was just rote memorization for her. Oh yeah. Because she has no other reason to know where all these cities are other than rote memorization in a classroom. She's not mm-hmm. visiting any of them. It's not germane to her daily life. This is all just... Spencer, Spencer level memorization. Spencer would have done this in the cradle. Ellie did this, yeah, probably six, seven.
1: Uh, your girl was wicked smart.
0: Wicked smart. He's, he laughs and says, they kept setting, settling, and moving. And every time Raiders would come, he'd pick up and more people sort of followed along as he went, became sort of nomadic. She says his luck was bound to run out sooner or later. And he says, ha ha, luck. There is no such thing as luck. I think that's a theme of the episode and he smiles no I believe everything happens for a reason it does it does I can prove it to you she says okay and he starts in Spencer uh, did you think she was in trouble at this point when he said I can prove it to you
1: yeah yeah even though I was looking to the what kind of scenes going no no I don't trust you no I don't trust you yeah when he says "I," something can, bad's about to happen
0: he says I can prove it to you with that big Sheshire grin fucking smile ah uh, i was thinking he she's probably in trouble and she was he goes on uh, go ahead a,
1: a, a, a double checked. Uh, frank came from ba- the baltimore qz the other collapse the, the other collapsing old industrial uh, east coast city
0: uh you you know you probably connected him because the pittsburgh steelers baltimore ravens are really big afc north afc north uh rivals right that's so that's probably why you connected them
1: i'm gonna say yes and i'm gonna hope you're not gonna laugh
0: no, they really are You made it through, all right. <laughs> he goes on, we didn't expect this winter to be so cruel, nothing will grow. Game's been hard to find. So game is hard to find, but she stumbled upon a deer who sat there, exposed its broadside, and stared her in the face. Okay. Uh, all right.
1: Some some well, some men choose to hunt a far more dangerous game, my friend.
0: <laughs> Ooh, so I sent four of our people to a nearby town to scavenge what they could. And three came back. The one that didn't was a father, he had a daughter, just like you. Here's the thing. This is something that old people have a tendency to do when they're talking to young people, mm-hmm. right? If they're talking to say a young girl of age 14 and they're explaining, there's this other girl age 14 that you don't know. They say things like a daughter, just like you, Ellie, that, that, that will disconnect you a, a kid very fast from the conversation. If you do that, because mm-hmm. the kid will go, she's not just like me. That's a crazy thing you're, to say. Like, don't say just like me, just cause we're the same age.
1: You're treating me as interchangeable. You're not treating me as my own unique person. Yeah, well, thank you. I've tuned out.
0: Uncle Lee out there to the adults. Just don't do that to kids. Don't say, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, we." well, there's another kid down the road just like you. No, not just like you. And her dad was what? taken from her. Mm-hmm. Turns out he was murdered. But this crazy man, and get this, that crazy man was traveling with a little girl. And at this point, my my heart has sunk into my stomach. He smiles. You see everything happens for a reason. James lower the gun.
1: Yeah. It, it was right at that same moment too, where Ellie realized oh, this is not the whole story. Was, oh shit! Not only do I know who you are, you know who I am. I'm fucked.
0: But you know what's funny is that, like, when he, so James has the gun pointed at her, right? Typically, mm-hmm. when you have a gun pointed at you, you don't move. Ellie not just moves, he just turns, and turns around, gun. and points the gun right at him. It's like any other situation, the guy would have just shot her, like, because <laughs> she. Yeah. That, that's the whole point of catching you unawares is that you're going to stop you from turning and doing exactly what ellie just did
1: yeah in terms of god's grace ellie is only alive right now because david is humored by her i'm going to use the word humored in the most
0: broad sense possible in terms of defining that term it is a really ugly truth of the episode that ellie survived because james was grooming her for sexual abuse uh, David was grooming her for sexual abuse, and mm. if he had not had that spark of an idea in his ridiculously awful brain, she would have been murdered.
1: Yeah, she she would have died at the deer if, if if
0: if David had not basically continually kept James from killing her. So it's a it's a it's a very awful, terrible truth of the episode. So James ask states that she killed the guy, and David clarifies that she didn't kill anyone. He tells James again to lower the gun. James is not happy with the way David is handling this situation. David tells James to give her the medicine. James really doesn't like this. David, Mm -mm. what are you doing? It's fucking penicillin in the apocalypse. We're not making more of
1: this. This is worth everything. Cities could be built on the amount of penicillin we're just handing away.
0: And he does it. Now he just runs away, awkwardly. (laughs) Kind of a really (laughs) awkward run. She's not used to all that weight. Uh, good
1: call on her part not to try to demand her half of the deer, by the way. No. no <laughs> that probably, would be pushing your luck.
0: Probably good to just leave. David tells her, uh, David tells him that he knows she's not with the group. And that mm-hmm. he he tells her as, as she's running away. And he, I know you're not with the group and I can protect you. And off she goes. David and James watch her. James says, so you're just going to let her get away. And we don't get the rest of that conversation. And I would like to we- know what it was.
1: Uh, what would you suspect, given how close these two are? Clearly, James is David's right-hand man for all of his operations.
0: I think he. I don't think he would say it explicitly. That doesn't seem like David's style. I think he probably said, "I'm gonna bring her back. I'm gonna. I'm gonna keep her close to me. Something like that." Mm-hmm. That would be my I, guess. I, I. I see potential in her. Oh yeah. Ugh. Uh, oh. God, that sucks. Yeah, that's probably what he said. <clears throat> then we see uh, Ellie running off. She runs into the house, down into the basement, to Joel. She opens the medicine, draws the medicine into the syringe. She doesn't know where to put it. She, asks, she, has,
1: the ex- she has the exact conversation that would be going through my mind in that scene. It's like, okay, okay, okay. Now what the fuck do I do? Uh, uh. So that- sure, right in the wound.
0: Well, she does. She puts it right in the wound. Spencer, would that work? Putting penicillin right in the wound? I don't know.
1: I have no idea. I would love to actually know the answer to that question, because I was like, I... Usually it's like you shoot him in the butt, right? Isn't that where penicillin usually goes? Yeah,
0: I would. I don't know. I get into the muscle? I, I don't know. Um, anyway, and after that, Ellie lays down next to Joel to sleep. Then we see a man and a woman making soup,
1: which I like. That Joel, weak as he is, also does try to bring her a little bit close. Clearly, while she's cuddling him.
0: Yeah, and you know that that's obviously an indication of their their closeness. But I think it's also it's just cold. You, know, you you yeah. have to, you'd have to do that with anybody let me see a man and a woman making soup let me let me talk about soup for a second soup, i yeah. uh really don't I like love soup. i love really don't like soup uh love soup. I find Soup's soup great. to be a really awful thing, thing ever. for a meal Eat it and, for it, and it is great. the type of thing that you can put human flesh into and They're trick people trick people into so if you're uh, you know next time you're having some chicken noodle it's a little stringy just remember that Remember, it's something you can sneak weird meat into, and nobody would ever know the difference. And that's exactly what's going on here, because they bring in a tray full of meat. The woman looks at it super skeptical. The guy says it's what, venison. What is
1: it? He hesitates. Like she
0: asks, "What is this?"
1: Venison. venison.
0: She seems resigned, and she adds the meat to the soup. But then we see the deer that has not been butchered at all. It is completely Pulled still whole. It brought in after that conversation after that deal with the soup happened so we know it's not the deer they just shot
1: now at this time at this moment in this episode did you think it was human meat yes you the the, the thought had already now crossed your mind
0: yes and what what gave it away to me was the the back-to-back of the meat and then we see the deer so they they're already planting in your head that you have to question the meat but it was the woman's reaction how the woman almost recoiled from the meat and really didn't want to touch it or deal with it. And then there's a little moment later on when they're all eating where everyone is scarfing the soup down and she is choking it down. It's really hard for her to eat it.
1: Yeah, the two people that are choking are her and James, where James is taking a bite and then just staring off and kind of slowly going through it. Two of them are the most... other than David, who don't give a shit, is scarfing it later. Th- those are two that are well, definitely. Well, we'll talk to about know.
0: that because David has a different dish. Then David talks to the group, confirms the rumor that they found the girl who was with the guy who took Alec. Fr- took Alec from us. Very cult leader talk, right? Mm-hmm. He took Alec from us. He confirms he's going to track her, find them, bring the man to justice. Then we see the girl, who is the, the daughter of Alec, say they should kill them, kill both of them. David walks up and smacks her across the face with a backhand,
1: knocks her straight down. Level a hit.
0: Woman gets up. David stops her with just a wave of the hand. Then he gets down to help the girl up.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Classic power. Classic pedo shit. Like abuse, and then let me help you with that. What? Like, or, yeah, or, like or, even, just, I or do, even I didn't want to do. I didn't want to have to do that to you. Let me help you up.
1: Well, it's a demonstration of complete control because he controls both the pain and the mercy. It's like everything is at his whim. That you operate under my terms, and if you do, you survive. If not, this happens again.
0: David says that while she may think she doesn't have a father anymore, she will always have a father. I thought he was talking about God. I, did yeah? This should
1: be a hint early about the level of just hubris, pride, and false prophet in this guy. And
0: then he says, and you will show him respect when he is speaking. So he's talking about himself. This fucking yeah. guy. This fucking guy. Unbelievable! She gets up and sits down. No one really reacts. to This David then sits down, and some food is put in front of him, and he prays. A big
1: honking plate of something. Well, compared that's to everybody else. Well,
0: that's the thing. Everybody else got soup. This little bowl, and he got Tratical. he got some sort of solid, like something cooked. It may. Here's what I. Here's my head cannon. Right. All right. So already the deer has been placed by God. So that's already my head cannon. I think he's eating what little bit is left of the venison, the deer, and the rabbit that him and James talked about. Maybe the human, no. the humans in the soup—that's for everybody else.
1: Well, it, it may be very possible, or the man's developed a taste for it. And either way, his portion size—what would you say, five, six times what everybody else is eating?
0: Yeah, for sure. He he has a big plate of just, I guess, barbecue, barbecued meat, you know, in some way. But it's very. It's different. And I think that we were meant to notice the difference in what he's eating with everybody else. And I, I would extrapolate. They did that to show us that they're eating different things. I wouldn't think that they would make that tweak for the sole purpose of telling us he's eating a different preparation.
1: It's very possible. He could be effectively using his position to reserve the finest rations for himself while everybody else gets by.
0: Which I'm sure that's what he's doing. Cut to the next morning. Ellie is still down there with Joel. She's checking his forehead. She gives him another shot. And she sits there next to him, clearly very concerned. Then we see her open the garage door. She puts some snow in a bucket to get the horse some water. Smart. She walks out to the driveway. She sees some birds gathering, so she runs toward where the birds are, crawling along a fence. And she sees the hunters. David is leading them.
1: Pretty Not smart. Of her,
0: pretty pretty smart of her to notice the the bird pattern, the pattern of the mm-hmm. birds, to say, oh, there might be something down there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Then we get David and James first perspective. David has given the kill order for Joel, but for Ellie, he's saying they are going to take her back with him. James says, I don't mean to question your sense of mercy, David. We can let her go. James says Ellie would be just in their mouth to feed. David says, if they leave Perfectly her out fair there, point. if they leave her out there, she will die. James says, maybe that is God's will. And David gives him a very, very stern, angry look.
1: Is it the questioning of his authority or is it the language that he used to do so that led to that kind of stern look?
0: I think it's the fact that he's questioning David's authority by referencing God. Like I, yeah. I think that, that that has to be a non-starter for a cult leader, right?
1: You are on
0: my turf, sir. Yeah, <laughs> I am he, the prophet of you're God. The, you're the cult leader. I can't go, well, Spencer, I don't know about that. God might not like that. Because like <clears throat> Yeah, because that, that sows seeds of doubt in all of the, quote, flock, which is the language he uses, that that anybody could use that rationale to go against the cult leader. So he has to nip sure. that in the bud right away.
1: Yeah, God can only have one source. If there are many people speaking for God, my authority is diminished.
0: Cut to Ellie who runs downstairs, tries to get Joel up, but he's not really responding. She leans down and gives him a knife. Okay, look, look at me. There are men coming. I'm going to lead them away from you. But if any of them make it down here, you fucking kill them. Joel, Joel. Do not, do not fall asleep. Damn it, Joel! Stop falling asleep.
1: It's interesting because she can't get Joel up, but after she shakes him the first time, and then goes away to get the knife. Joel's eyes visibly open. Yeah, he's aware. He's not in the best of state to get moving right now, but he's clearly listening and taking notes.
0: Well, his body is now fighting off the infection, sure. and so he doesn't like and, and like successfully fighting off the infection. So he doesn't need to sleep as much. He's not as tired. His brains back online like everything is sort of like 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 reconnecting all at the same time and it's a it's great timing for it to happen by the way
1: yeah it's it's an interesting thing i can't say it necessarily saves the day but at the same point if joel hadn't showed up when he did ellie probably was screwed so uh, yeah i'll say it saves the day so let me
0: let me say this about ellie i am a known ellie fan on this podcast Yes, you are. But what Ellie does here is nothing short of heroic.
1: Oh, clearly. Like,
0: Obviously. we need to, like.
1: Self-sacrificing. We need to
0: call this what it is. It's like she puts herself in the absolute line of danger without questioning in a really, like, intense way. Like, right in front of them. Knowing that she could be shot. She could be taken in. She could be whatever, whatever. And that that whatever, whatever gets filled in. Yeah. And she does it without thinking without
1: hesitating. With, just just,
0: just on the off chance it might buy joel a little bit more time mm-hmm. Wait, here's a question
1: if she hadn't gotten if her horse hadn't gotten shot and she flipped over the head and everything else do you think she would have tried to circle around and come back or do you think she would have like gone for tommy or something
0: there's no way she'd have gone for tommy she would have I, circled around and come back
1: yeah, I don't. I don't think she has a clear plan in her head beyond just simply. I need to lead them away. But I'm with you. I don't. I don't picture her going more than five miles away from Joe at any point.
0: No. Ellie. Then she comes up behind him and she says, "Hey, motherfuckers!" And she shoots wildly at them. I don't think she's really trying to shoot them. Um, they no. take off after her and David. Uh, it, they take off after her as David yells, "Alive!" She keeps running, and we see James shoot the horse. Fucking asshole shot the horse, but of course he shot the horse, right? Because it's an effective thing to do when you are on foot and somebody's on horseback. But it is also—they also need the meat. Yeah, you know, they also That's want the a, horse meat.
1: But how much does a horse weigh? It's like a thousand pounds of meat they're going to use to feed their feed their
0: community now. Yeah, she keeps running, and then we see James shoot the, the horse. Yeah, there we go. And fuck, uh, Ellie falls down, knocked out, and they stand over her. James is just about to shoot her when we hear a bullet bang. State. One of the other
1: guys even says, "Do it." They, yeah. they they're cl- David's level of authority is immediately is immediately in proportion to how distant he is from the situation.
0: Yeah, and that you know, and that's the thing, right? He is constantly with these loyalty tests. The reason his reasoning for why you have to follow me is very wrapped up in his own ego and his own sure where, his where how he sees himself. That actually doesn't inspire long-term real loyalty. It, it, it inspires that sort of immediate I must kowtow to you in the moment. But what we're seeing is that he actually hasn't inspired real loyalty because as soon as they get a block or two away from him, they're willing to do whatever the fuck they want to do. So they, they're, they're, this isn't real loyalty, right?
1: I mean, it's the it's 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 old like Tywin Lannister quote of, you know, any man who must say I am the king is no true king.
0: The,
1: the real power of presence should be the basis of your loyalty, not constant constantly having to reiterate it to all, all those around you
0: yeah he shoots in the air david shoots in the air as a warning to them not to kill ellie very tense moment between david and the rest of his flock here i actually kind of thought that they were about to, to throw down i thought david they was gonna, i thought it. david was gonna have to kill one or two of them to get them to not kill ellie
1: uh, i mean it seems like from what we've seen that the loss of alec the loss of a member of the community has struck them hard and they're going cruising for some vengeance which david even calls out you know you're hungry for vengeance deliver it but off on Joel. This girl is sacrosanct and protected. She, she has sanctuary in my arms.
0: But here's something, here's something that happened in this episode that this is an unforced error that the producers and HBO and everybody associated with the show made. Mm. Is in the next on for last week. They gave us a few screenshots of that last reconnection of Ellie mm-hmm. and Joel where she has blood all over her face and he's shaking her. So you know that at they some gotta, some point in this episode, they have to reconnect.
1: The trailers always spoil, always spoil, my friend. Trailers always spoil. That so was that
0: one in particular had no
1: other explanation.
0: Like, why would you give me that screenshot? You could have easily sold the episode in other ways without spoiling the end of it. Like, mm-hmm. I had this thought as she was in the, as she was in the jail. I was like, well, I know she gets out of it and back with Joel at some point. I've already seen it. Like, it yeah, really kind t- of spoiled the episode.
1: It undermines the tension for that scene.
0: Yeah. Um David checks Ellie's pulse, she's alive. David picks up Ellie, tells the two of the tell two of the men to drag the horse back with them and tells the rest, which I believe is two more guys. Three. Three more guys? Alright, mm-hmm. so it's five plus David. The other three to go door to door. You're so hungry for vengeance? Deliver it. Mm hmm. And we see the three of them break up and start walking around. That was kind of a stupid uh, move. Why did they break up?
1: They're not professionals. They're not professionals. They used to. They're used to apparently, you know, hunting defenseless animals or defenseless people.
0: Felt like overconfidence. It's like this guy's already killed one of your what? one they of your friends in hand to hand combat.
1: They do think he's incapacitated. They do think he's injured. They do think he's sick. E- easy pickings to be found. In, ter- I guess so. in ter- terms of Ellie, by the way, did it come across that she was at least mildly concussed based on that impact? Based on like yeah. the ringing and the um, not focusing eyes and all that.
0: Yeah, I mean that's most of the time if you're knocked out cold you you've got a concussion some some level of a concussion yeah (laughs) you don't just get knocked out cold without a concussion yeah Um,
1: that's something that tv has been teaching TV, tv movies have been teaching us wrong for years that someone can be knocked unconscious and just be okay and like be out for more than a few minutes like no they're out for more than a few minutes there's a medical issue
0: yeah, if you see somebody, like if you see like a bar fight and somebody gets knocked out cold for over two minutes, take them to the fucking emergency room because they might have a yeah. bleeding. They might have a bleeding brain. Mm-hmm. Um, so the guys see one guy goes into a house, and then we get Joel's perspective, and we know it's the house that Joel is in. He's hearing the the footsteps. Se- the guy sees the drawer that Ellie has pulled in front of the door to the basement,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, and moves to move that Chester drawers over. He opens the door and walks down. Great filmmaking in this scene, I felt. Like, very tense, because we're following the guy's footsteps down the stairs. Then we get immediately switch up to his POV, and we see the empty, bloody bed that Joel was in. So we know that Joel, at some point, came back to life. He walks down in the basement.
1: And and so does the guy,
0: too. (laughs) He walks down in the basement, checking around every quarter, and then, whap, Joel jumps in behind him, sinks the knife right into the guy's neck. The guy falls down slowly, suffocating, I believe, on his own blood, and he dies. So Joel's got one of them. One down, two to go.
1: Yeah, the first, and I would say the least... <laughs> Joel's Joel's gonna go on a full Papa Wolf trip before this is over. This is the most... this <laughs> The least uh, cruel killings are the ones that he engages in.
0: I think it was really important for them to establish that Joel had murdered people, that he mm-hmm. had done atrocities in the past, so that this this sequence isn't as shocking to the viewers because i think it's still absent, shocking it's still shocking but i think absent all that backstory about what him and tommy and tess used to do when things first went haywire i think people really would have been turned off by this sequence but i think yeah. we, we, they kind of normalized that behavior in joel a little bit so
1: we've seen him purely kill in self-defense previously under terms whatever else we, we saw we, it was even off camera when he executed that one kid by you know stabbing him with his own knife We've heard about his background of violence, but we've yet to see the scale of the Joel that people tell horror stories about. The Joel that even across continent people don't want to be associated with based on the history of violence. We're going to get a taste of it before this episode's over.
0: Then we get Ellie waking up in a cell. We hear David's voice. He's watching her. He says he was worried she wouldn't wake up. He demands to be let out and says, Well... That's cert- she demands to be let out, and he says, well, that's certainly the goal. Hungry? She asks him why he- she's in that cage to begin with. He says, because I'm afraid of you. You're a dangerous person. You've proven that. I he love point- that answer. I love that answer because,
1: it, honestly, he shows massive overconfidence later, but that read on Ellie being a dangerous person that you want to keep locked up, good call, sir.
0: And he points out the others wanted to kill her. Very true. He reiterates it. Ellie says, fuck you. He asked for a name. She says, eat shit. <laughs> Shout out, Ellie. <laughs> She's the best. David says, You can't survive on your own. Let me protect you. She says, I'm not on my own. David says, Right. Your friend. friend. This is this is very much Emperor Palpatine mm-hmm. talking to Luke yes. and being like, Oh, yes, you're your friends who came to destroy our base. Yes. Let oh, me I show you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me show you the window here to them being destroyed. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, very much that. Um, he says that how is he talking about joel mm-hmm. i can see how much you care for him so i know it hurts he says that even so she has to face reality that that part of her life is ending is in He uses mm-hmm. very interesting language here because he never outright lies to her and says that joel is dead he just heavily implicates that joel is on his way to being dead
1: yes again playing into ellie's doubts her concerns her uncertainty about what's going to happen next he's He is manipulating it very well.
0: Yeah. And he's offering her a beginning. But if she can't trust Mm -hmm. him, then yes, you are alone. So he did not write. Say Joel was dead. Implied it. Cut back to the neighborhood. One of the guys is looking around. He goes along the fence. I'm going to call this guy Duck Dynasty. Can I call this guy Duck Dynasty?
1: (laughs) With that beard, perfectly justifiable.
0: Okay. Duck Dynasty. He goes up to the house. He sees a body on the ground. He goes to it. And we see Joel clock Duck Dynasty over Straight
1: there. butt of a rifle right to his face. Again, <laughs> Again really great concussions. Yep, yeah, good oh, making yeah. and concussions right and left all around this episode. A lot of
0: brain shaking going on. A lot of brain shaking going on. D.D., uh, Duck Dynasty, that's what I call him now, D.D., wakes up, tied mm-hmm. up, and we see Joel beating on the other guy. Duck Dynasty tells him to leave him alone. Joel then, whoo, just whoo, stabs the guy in the leg and he says right i'm going to hide the kneecap and he says i'm going to pop your fucking kneecap off if you don't tell me <sighs> where we are remember that scene of when he was
1: interrogating the old people did did you think that this was where you might be going if they didn't like cooperate
0: no <laughs> no not at all <laughs> pop your fucking kneecap off holy he shit he does the
1: same he does the same map trick he does the same map trick he did with the old people it's just he like he does different scale though
0: he explains The guy says it's Clover Lane, but it's not a real town. It's a resort. Joel puts the bloody knife in the guy's mouth, tells him to point to where they are and where the resort is, and it better be the exact same spots your buddy points to. Uh, Silver
1: Lake. Silver Lake is the name of the resort.
0: Silver Lake, okay. Okay. Uh, The guy does it as asked. He says, uh, crying um, that he's not lying. The guy says, I'm not lying. I'm not lying. He's crying. Then Joel just stabs and kills the guy. Duck Dynasty gets really upset at this screaming, like, What the fuck? He told you what you asked for. Why did you do that? He's like, Really rocked. And yeah. He says, Well, like, fuck you, point? motherfucker. I'm not going to tell you anything. Joel says, It's okay. I believed him. And then just kills Duck Dynasty.
1: Whoa. That, that line, It's okay. I believe him, is one of the coldest lines I've heard in a long time in fiction. It's like, That is just so brutal. It's just like, I had no intention of asking you any questions.
0: Yeah, that, that was wild. That, that sort of like, yeah, I'm going to get your buddy to do the same thing. Then he walks over and the guy's like, I'm not telling you anything. He goes, eh, I believed him. I'll just go ahead and kill you too. It's like, Joel can go. He has that gear, folks.
1: Joel had at no point when Joel dragged these two guys in this room, did he ever intend for either of them to leave alive. He was going to get the information he wanted and both of them were going to die. And how brutal that death was, was up to them
0: cut to ellie in the cell she's trying to look for ways to unscrew the cage and then she sees something that i would say startles her
1: it does we don't see it ourselves quite yet though right it's exactly. gonna cut
0: there later yep david walks in but she doesn't take her eyes off whatever it is david looks over and we see from david's perspective only when david looks over do we see that it's a human ear and some more human skin
1: just laying there laying there on the flo- floor of what is effectively now we know a meat locker
0: David looks down in a way. He says, for what it's worth, this is just deer meat, I swear. I think he meant this <laughs> meant this to be funny. Uh, God, he ugh, he's coming. He's really exposing himself here as mm-hmm. such a an awful fucking guy. Ellie asks if he's going to chop her up into little pieces. He says, I'd rather not.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's very choice language right there. It's like, well, let's see here what you can do to avoid this fate. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so manipulative. Like, oh, I, I I, hope I don't have to abuse you. I hope I don't have to beat you. Yeah. It's up to you, though. It's,
1: it's a shame what you make me do.
0: Just tell me your name. David mentions that she shouldn't judge him, and she just screams, judge you. You're you're eating people, you sick fuck. Bravo, Ellie. Well said.
1: And, again, this is a, a strategy you he's employed sick before.
0: sick fuck. That's what got, that guy deserves to be called.
1: Uh, strategy he's employed before. He doesn't deny
0: it. Doesn't deny it. Yep. But... Let me explain. Ellie kicks the food. David then says, Yeah, yeah, we did do this. He says, There are only a few of us who know. I would have told you sooner or later, I guess sooner. He says, He's an animal, yes. He, he you know, sort of exceeds that point. Yes, we're all animals. That's sort of the point. He asks her what he should have done. Let people starve. Ethical question of the episode. Mm-hmm. Ethical question of the episode. What should okay. I have done? Let people starve. We'll be talking about that. Ellie says, yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe you should have instead of eating people. He says, you don't believe that. So they—they, they, they, I think that this is a... So he, a lot of what David is doing in his conversations, I would say most of what he's doing, is manipulating her to groom her for abuse. Yes. I think this point here on what should I have done, let my people starve, and she says maybe, and he says, you don't believe that. I think that's him pausing the jeffrey dahmer weirdness and actually sort of annoyed that she's not with him on the logic of this like well, i think he's really saying like wait a second you don't believe that like i i did i did right in making sure my people didn't starve
1: well it is notable ellie does shut up when he says that i, I don't I, th- I think even she's kind of thinking huh like, i don't think she one, knows i don't think i don't think she's ever really had to th- think about it before and confront with it yeah it that's good of, that
0: she hasn't had to <laughs>
1: <laughs> there's kind of a line fault in her brain when she's confronted by this. It. like wait are you trying to ethically justify cannibalism am i thinking about ethically justified cannibalism
0: yeah this didn't come up in federal school david asked <laughs> if Joel would have done the same thing mentions Joel killed someone ellie says he's defending himself and david said he was defending you but you knew that you see a lot so do i and you know what i see when I look at you, me. He then goes into this whole thing about how she's a natural leader, smart, loyal, violent. He says he does, in fact, know something about her that if he let her out of that cage, she'd stab him in a second. We, that turns out to be it, true.
1: It's interesting. We've had two episodes in a row now of adults in positions of authority talking to Ellie, telling her that she's the leader and she's the future. Clearly, a lot of people recognize it about, recognize it about her.
0: Yeah, and I I think that that is probably true, that she is a she is a leader. But I, I also think that uh, I'm not sure he's really trying to give his real read on her. I think it's a lot of no. say what he thinks he Seducer. can say to to get her to th- trust him to come into the fold so that he can abuse her. It's all grooming language, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he says, you have a violent heart. I should know. I have a violent heart. I struggled with it for a long time, but then the world ended. And I showed the truth. He then said he showed the way by the cordyceps. Not by God. No, no, no. That's that's all bullshit. It's the cordyceps that showed him the truth. It's fruitful, it multiplies, it feeds, it protects its children, and it secures its future with violence if it must. It loves. And
1: now we've crossed not, not even just a religious cult. I'm not even sure what to call this category of cult. Apocalyptic worship, to a certain degree? But, I don't... I don't think he's fucking with her when he's saying this, because... This isn't a marketing pitch. No, no one's going to be, you know, brought in by this kind of. Oh, you really like the cordyceps?
0: Laundry. Oh, yeah. Let me come be your young wife. Yeah. yeah. I, he must actually believe this. I think he does. I think he's severely mentally ill. Uh, she says, he says, because you can handle it. Or no, she goes, why did you, Why are you telling me this? And he's like, because you can handle it the way the others can't. Ah, uh, yeah, This this type of language. To abuse children. You're different than everybody else. You understand things they don't. You're special. They need God. Heaven. There you go. That's him tipping his hand. They need God. It's all false. Heaven. Opiate of the masses. They need need a father. You don't. You're beyond that. I'm a shepherd surrounded by sheep, and all I want is an equal. A friend.
1: A friend.
0: Is that so much for
1: him to ask, sir? Truly. what What is life without a friend? Ugh.
0: Ellie asks about her friend. <laughs> <sighs> David says, "Like I said, loyal." Loyal. David says he can't. He can tell the others to spare him. Just let him go. If he leaves us in peace, they'll let him go. They follow me. They follow do you, me. Do you believe him? Does he believe it? I think he thinks it's probably too late. He's, I mean, he doesn't yeah. have—he doesn't have a cell phone. Um, you know, and it would be too late if Joel hadn't taken matters in his own hands. If they Joel hadn't been already Joel. killed him. Yeah david said they would follow us lord knows i could use some i could use the help think of what we could do together he puts his hand on the bars <laughs> sick fuck <laughs> we grow spread out and we do whatever we need to for our people imagine the life we could give them imagine the life we could build sick fuck
1: you talked about the emperor previously but this is darth vader talking to luke while he's dangling off that little pillar in bespin in cloud city it's like we could, think, we, we could
0: rule like the galaxy together, father and son. The power, Luke. Yes, it is a little bit of that, but it's also a lot of pedophilia, pedophilia, and sexual grooming and awful, awful shit. It, it, it's, there's
1: it's, nothing positive here. Nothing. Yeah, to-
0: it, it's just like they give us enough to know for us to know what this guy is, but they don't. They don't like other than the, like the last moments. They don't necessarily show it as much as they could. And I I think that's an interesting choice because they obviously want us to know this guy's a pedo, but they they kind of withhold showing it and just how ugly it can get. What do you think about that choice?
1: I actually appreciate that it's more implied. I think if it had been more front and center, it would have felt less real. I would think it would have felt more like a caricature, whereas this comes across as much more intimidating and insidious. It's a, this guy can operate in plain sight through these kind of mannerisms, through these skills of manipulation. We see it strongly implied in this scene, though, when he puts his hand on the bars, oh, and yeah. Ellie, very, correct, very correctly reading what he's after, puts her hand on top of his.
0: Yeah, I, you which know, he I seems to
1: respond well to.
0: General rule for all of the Holly, big mega Hollywood producers that listen to our podcast, and I know there's a lot. Whenever you're going to display pedophilia on the screen, do it in the least uh, grotesque and obvious, and make make it
1: human. Make it all the worse because of it.
0: Make it the well, just 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 as a general rule, like I don't need to, see, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't need to see like an actual kid getting abused. Like yeah. you can just imply it and then we can move on. Like that's all I need. And, and yeah. it's, and by the way, that's enough. <laughs> that's powerful yeah, enough.
1: We get it. We get the message.
0: Our minds can fill in all the blanks for you when it comes to that. Yeah. Otherwise it starts to verge into torture porn and I'm not into yeah. watching that. So she puts her hand on his, then a second hand then she just snaps his fucking finger. <laughs>
1: The Uh, guy knew. The guy knew. He already said it out loud, but, you know, lulled himself into a false
0: security. tries to get the keys from him. She almost gets them, but then he starts jamming her head against the bars, and she just can't quite get the keys. He calls her a little C-word. Let's see what I tell the others now. Ellie says, tell them, Ellie, Ellie. Ellie is the little girl who broke your fucking finger. Beast. And then he said, the most chilling line of the episode. How did you put it? Tiny little pieces. And he walks out. That's tough, Uh, because Ellie is... That really startled Ellie, that line.
1: Yeah, I admire Ellie's brazenness. I admire her bravery. But (laughs) were it not for a lucky series of events to follow, she has signed her own death warrant here. Perhaps a little bit more patience and subtlety would have given her a better opportunity.
0: I honestly think that Ellie would rather die than be this guy's pet. So she, she was making that decision. You know, if the choice is let this guy sit here and abuse me like, or just tell him to fuck off and die. Like she, she'll go with B every time
1: that, and that is very in character for Ellie. That is what, that is the personality she offers to the world.
0: Yeah. Love her. Cut to Joel who walks up to a house of some kind. It definitely does kind of look like they're at a resort type area. Mm-hmm. It looks like kind of like a faux log cabin, maybe, um, you know, those things where they, they build the houses is meant to look like log cabins, but they're yeah. not really.
1: It's, it's just cosmetic. <clears throat> a yeah.
0: Facade joel walks into the house he sees a trail of blood he walks into a room and he sees a horse but then he also sees people hanging by meat hooks headless
1: dismembered people yeah
0: and notably
1: not just one not just the guy that joel killed there are at least two or three other corpses that are hanging from them rafters right now
0: that's my question for you he he makes it seem like to ellie they only started eating people when the winter was harder than they anticipated and they couldn't get food. But how did they get the people? Multiple well, four or five people. How did, how did they find four or five people to start eating? What?
1: I mean, it's possible it's these raiding expeditions you've set out have captured the other white meat, as it were. Long pig, perhaps. Um it's also possible that there's just a certain element of a lot of these people being full of shit and that they've been supplementing their diet for a while now by means of this particular form of meat. At least, at, at least the idea that this does definitely confirm that the death of that one member has not been their only source of human meat. This is a more intertwined method of their diet than uh, that, that one-off would suggest.
0: So the guy who died... That Joel killed. You think that yes. that's the meat? So you I, think, I think that they, one, he was? I think
1: that's one of the guys, but there's more than one that are hanging there.
0: Wait a second. So do you think that was the meat that was shown to us that went in the soup? Was that guy yes. that Joel killed? Yes. So you think that he fed the daughter her own dad?
1: Yes. And I think, they, I think the timing of him talking about of her bringing it up and him saying, well, we'll have to wait to bury him to the spring. And then the next, well, only a few scenes later, we see them harvesting that meat is meant to put that thought in our head. That that is, they're eating him fresh.
0: Cut back to Ellie and David and someone else comes into her cell. Um, cut back to Ellie and David and someone else come into her cell. Ellie fights them I, screaming. She does seem scared. I
1: think, I think it's James, too. Again, again, right-hand
0: man. James, yeah. They, they, they do seem, he, she seems... Legitimately scared here. They put her on a table. They try to stretch her out. And right before they're about to butcher her, she I'm infected. Roll up my sleeve. Look at it. That was smart. That was smart because I think there is a. Obviously, David is concerned he might be infected here. And I think he needs to keep her alive long enough to get as much information about this possible infection out of her as it can. Fun thing, too. We don't actually know whether her
1: biting him could get him infected. We don't know.
0: No, I do know. Clearly,
1: you you do know this.
0: Yeah, I do know this. What do you know? I know that it it doesn't get him infected. Look, her body. Well, kills he dies the,
1: before he dies. No, before he can. no,
0: I'm not talking about what I, we see on screen. Her body ki- has to kill the cordyceps. The cordyceps cannot be living in her, or they would multiply and continue. So there's something about her body that reject that the, the cordyceps is not a her ho- her body is not in a a host a healthy host for the cordyceps. And that's why the wound healed. That's why she doesn't have cordyceps flowing all throughout her and out of her mouth and in her brain and all Mm -hmm. that shit. So therefore when she bites other people, she, the cordyceps aren't in her. It's not hosted in her.
1: We do know that at least there is a false. If that is true, that at least there's something enough in her that it causes a false positive on Fedra's little scanning test. Something's going on there, but
0: not with the dog, but not with the dog. I don't necessarily know
1: whether that means one's more accurate than the other.
0: I'm 98% sure on this, that the the thing that, because we talk, they talk about this in the opening scene, the idea that this type of fungus already exists, except that our bodies are too hot to host them. Mm -hmm. Now, something, something obviously mutated in the mushrooms and the, in the fungus that allowed them to be a in a normal human body well there's something different about her body that doesn't allow that mushroom to be hosted within it that has to be the case clearly now. so i don't i honestly i think this is all just trying Bluff to misdirect him yeah misdirect him but it's really smart because she did she also did i don't know if she meant to do this but it was it all worked out that she did actually bite him so he mm-hmm. had the bike to actually look at and he, so stupidly, I mean, this guy, David, really, really, um, <laughs> I would give him high marks on being a sleazebag pedophile. Mm-hmm. Uh, high marks meaning seems like he's done this a lot and he's relatively sickeningly effective at it. Not very good at butchering people who are still alive because you don't put the meat cleaver right next to their hand. That's bad stupid. call
1: bad call. I mean, again, if you for rolling D&D stats here, the guys doing well in charisma, intelligence, and wisdom not not where they should be.
0: Yeah. So, she grabs the meat cleaver and throws it into James's chest, killing him. Mm-hmm. And he runs out the door with David shooting her from behind. This guy is absolutely a stormtrooper. Shooting at R2D2. She's not far. She, he, this is a stormtrooper shooting at R2D2. Uh, she she's four feet in front of him and he's missing she goes into the main dining room area and she grabs a hot coal from a fire as david walks in she throws it at him this whole sequence really felt like a video game sequence
1: and having played this video game sequence it took me a lot fucking longer ellie just speed runs it in terms of going through this sequence it's very this cat and mouse sequence can go on for a while in the game
0: yeah david stalking her says there's no way out the doors are locked and he has the keys. Hell in a cell. The room is burning from behind him. Did Ellie, she I, mean
1: to start the fire or did, was she just throwing something at David?
0: I was going to ask you the same question. Uh, and I, I think, thought maybe, maybe we would know from the video game, that based on the strategy you have to employ in the video game. Do you have to start a fire in the video game? I don't actually remember. I'll
1: have to replay. I can't replay. I'll watch a video and I'll let you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, because it's like. It's pretty fortuitous that she did that. Mm -hmm. But I I, it did did sort of seem like she was just trying to throw it at his face. So I don't know. Um, I'm thinking
1: fortuitous based on what they showed in the episode.
0: Yeah, but I mean, you know, the, the biting him in the hand so that he could see it. So that when she yelled, I'm infected, he had a bite in the hand. The throwing of the thing so that there's a fire, which created some more urgency to this cat and mouse situation. The deer... Showing its God's broad side there. to her Providence upon right, us. I'm telling you, she's she's the blessed one, Spencer. She's she's the one <laughs> th- that is that is being watched down upon. She is the special chosen one,
1: uh, and also she's carrying she's carrying possibly the saving grace of mankind in her veins. Her she's body is God's gift.
0: Her body is not an active host. It heals to the cordyceps, and so whatever is causing the cordyceps not to be hosted in her needs to be replicated. And that's how we're going to get out of this whole shebang in season three. Mm-hmm. So he says, I know you aren't infected. No one infected fights this hard to stay alive. So this goes back to what we were talking about, David, about him being pretty intuitive with people. Cause I feel like this is probably a good read.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He says, so how did you do it? What's the secret? Or are you just that fucking special? All caps in my notes. Yes, she is. Yes, she <laughs> is that fucking special. Mm-hmm. David says he doesn't like being humiliated. No one does. You don't know how good I am. What I could have given you if you'd just let me. This is almost like he's. Um, this is almost like uh, Sheen Palpatine has now flipped into the Emperor's voice. You know, like <laughs> you know, like, like yeah. Palpatine who kind of talks like this, and then all of a sudden he goes ah, blah, blah, like that, You know, he kind of like the evil's coming out. Yeah, the megalomania. <laughs> David then says, neither of them will be dying today. I decided you do need a father. I'm going to keep you. I'm going to teach you. <laughs> I don't want that lesson. I don't want those lessons. Please stop. The room is continuing to burn behind them. She jumps out, stabs his leg. He throws her on the ground. He kicks her and then holds her down. I thought you already knew. The fighting is the part I like the most. Which, if we had any doubts before
1: that this guy is just a dyed-in-the-wool sadist, now let's have those doubts be banished.
0: And a pedophile. And that too. They can clearly overlap. This... The portrayal, the, while the actress is 19, the portrayal of this character is clearly underage, and he is clearly sexually attracted to her. He is a pedophile. Says, don't be afraid. There is no fear in love. <laughs> at, at that moment, Ellie grabs a knife and knifes him, and Then she stands over him, just stabs him like 20-something times. I tried to count it. It was a little hard. I think it was somewhere it, around 23. Not, not just the number. knife,
1: the friggin' cleaver that he was, that he stupidly left in the in the stand right next to her
0: just over and over again the room is burning behind her so here's a question for you is this guy so i've heard kind of like i've heard that people who uh are pedophiles who have that what i would say broken brain some some Mm -hmm. part of their brain is, is broken to to create that go into a sort of like manic sort of thing when they're intensely attracted to children right we can also like make a connection to like say ted bundy when he would also they 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 reported he -hmm. would go into manic phases when he was going to rape and murder people like these people who have these broken brains who do these sort of awful awful horrendous things they seem to go into manic phases as they're gearing up for their crimes my question for you is is that what we're seeing because he seems willing to be burned alive if he can just abuse ellie in his last few moments he doesn't seem remotely concerned with the fire all the way around him that is raging Is his preoccupation in manic state with abusing ellie that strong of an indicator is that what we're seeing on screen do you think
1: i think i think that's an interesting idea i think i think I, i would interpret it as being a mix of that and also just his own sense of just power his own sense of control this is his community he is the cult leader he has been providing as much as he knows it's bullshit but the voice of god he can't die this way. He's. This is his story. That you're just living it. I think it's a mix between that just aggrandizing sense of his own importance and his own control mixed with, as you said, a certain manic desire to control, manipulate, abuse, and use her. All that is just controlling his decision-making beyond any logical ability to control.
0: Yeah, because it's, it's absolute insanity that he's, he's holding her down, trying to actually start the act here. When, I mean... It, He's probably a, a minute away from the roof collapsing. I mean, it's like oh, yeah. this whole this thing, thing is going up yeah, quick. Tinderbox. It,
1: it's notable too that, I, I, and this may just be, this may actually make a certain degree of sense. No one's coming to put the fire out. Like nobody's outside looking to put this thing out. I think we're having a, a certain degree implied that this particular place, which has all the human bodies and the, the butchering and everything else, ways is away. probably purposely a ways away from the main campus, which would make sense.
0: I think it is too. Uh, she kills the guy. And she walks outside and she walks and walks and yeah, brutally stabbing him over 20 times. She walks and walks and Joel comes up behind her as he tries to snap her back into reality. She screams and screams and it's, he's trying to, I think, pull her back into Mm -hmm. reality. In the moment, in the moment. Finally, he gets her to look at him. He says, look, it's me. It's okay. It's okay, baby girl, which is like (sighs) the most powerful line of the series. I think it's okay, baby girl. And he hugs her. She hugs him back and he says, I got you. He gives her his jacket, and they walk off together. He, end of episode.
1: He does have his baby girl again. He lost her in episode Oof. one, but he has refound her.
0: Yeah, I mean, I you know, I think that some people might like cringe at the the gendered baby girl thing, but I think for that... Joel, for Joel, it's meaningful.
1: Whatever else we want to interpret about it, for this character in this moment, there is no more powerful line. There is no more powerful admission to himself ignore the language focus on how powerful it is for the character
0: well it's appropriate language for a texan who came of age in the 80s in and 90s. 2003 yeah, yeah 80, having... 80s and 90s is when he was growing up right like so this is this would be the type of language that he learned to say when he truly truly cared and loved for a a young girl right like his a daughter, child yeah. like his daughter and i do think there's that overlap with his daughter which is what you called out earlier and i think that she responds very positively to this so anybody who's who, who cringes at the gender language i think it's appropriate for the character and i think spencer accurately nailed that it means a lot so let's you know and I, I can't tell you what to think but i think it. we can
1: we run a podcast sir.
0: <laughs> i think well i i try to steer away from it sir because i get i get mean comments thrown at me when i do that <laughs> I do think what they're trying to show you is that for Joel, this is his representation of going to a 10. You know, we've been talking, mm-hmm. we've been tracking the Joel uh, Ellie affection meter, zero to 10. And he, he has at absolutely at a 10 with this line. And I, I, I found it, straight. I found it to be just absolutely fulfilling in a way, but also kind of heartbreaking that she's in such mm-hmm. a state that he has to comfort her this way.
1: Well, and and it's notable as they now then wander off into the snow. They're supporting each other. Neither of them is holding. Neither of them is carrying the other one. They're holding each other up as they go on off into the wilderness together. They are bruised. They are battered, but they have each other, and in this world, that is beyond compare and beyond hope.
0: Yeah, not a single infected person, not a single zombie this entire episode. And I'll say that maybe the last what three episodes we've had one zombie. Mm-hmm. So they're really doing exactly what I asked them to do. So thank you show for listening to the podcast and focusing on the human stories within it. And any show, any story that they do here that focuses on the, the, the genuine love and concern that Joel and Ellie have for each other, I'm going to be all in on. And, you know, shout out to the actors. They might be bullshitness. If so, thanks for bullshitness. The, the damn actors, Bella Ramsey and Pedro Pascal talk about how they're, they now love each other. Like they're, they're like, like they, they really care about each other when they were filming this thing. And now they keep in touch and they write letters back and forth and they're buddies. And like, they have this really cool positive relationship that they developed on set that I think sprung from the intense emotion they had to, to show on the screen. Right. And also it helps that Bella Ramsey and Pedro Pascal seem to both be pretty cool people, but mm-hmm. the whole thing ends up with something that i think can be interesting to someone who doesn't like a zombie story
1: i agree i think that's i think it's one of the advantages the show has over so many of its peers and competitors is that it's just a well done story well acted well prepared well set up about characters being with each other the fact that it's in the, the fact that it's set it's situated in a zombie apocalypse is a setting it's not the entire show and it's stronger for it
0: yeah uh, okay. So I think we are done with the episode. Let's go to best line of the episode. Spencer, do you have any nominees for best line of the episode?
1: I've got a few. I've got a few. Th- Those we are some good ones here. Uh, a couple of just Ellie being a dick to David are all just hilarious to me. Uh, so you went from preacher to from teacher to preacher because what it fucking rhymes. Literally <laughs> disrespectful. Oh, you're inviting me to join your hunger club. Thanks D- again. I just, her, her, her ability to disrespect people is well honed. Uh, some good lines from David, though. Uh, well, I found God after the apocalypse, which is either the best time or the worst time to find him—hard to say. Uh, his whole speech about luck—you kind of repeated it already, so I won't go into it here. But it's a—it—it—it it, it, it starts out philosophical, and by the end, it gets becomes just tingling spine levels of intimidating as you realize he's setting her up in a trap. Yep. Uh, lo, uh, line. After, he sla- uh, after David slaps that girl, I know you think you don't have a father anymore, but the truth is, Hannah, you will always have a father, and you will show him respect when he's speaking. Uh. It's insight into how this cult actually runs and what and how. David is in no sense a true believer. Well RV is a true believer only in himself. Joel, you can't hel- he can't help you. You focus right here, or I'll pop your fucking kneecap off. And an ending, ending that scene with... You motherfucker, fuck you. He, I ain't telling you shit. It's okay. I believe him. Flap! Joel, what is most brutal we've seen the entire show. Mm-hmm. Uh, several... I'm, I'm not going to repeat all of it, but just the back and forth between David and Ellie when Ellie's locked up in the cage. Of the entire speech about you're an animal and then going through what you would do for your family and support... And then him assessing her on, on being a natural leader and then going into his uh, personal obsession with the cordyceps and people needing God, but you're not like that. It's just great acting between the two of them. And it's really uncomfortable. It's really effectively uncomfortable. I I, I need to watch more of the uh, things that uh, Act David is in. Is True Detective Season 3 worth it? Is it worth watching?
0: It's better than two, not as good as one.
1: Nothing could be good as one. One is pretty television and has been compared. And they're
0: doing four now and I think four is probably going to be about the same quality of three. That's my guess.
1: Look, he's a great actor though when he sells these scenes perfectly. Uh, a few last ones. Ellie, back to David. You tell them that Ellie is the little girl who broke your fucking finger. Just cheers to you, Ellie. You're awesome. Uh, back from David. Oh, I thought you already knew. The fighting is the part I like most. Oh. But anyway. Ugh. So- don't be afraid, there's no fear in love. And I like in my I think even both in the subtitles and in my notes, there's no fear in love is quoted, so i need to look and see where that's from, but the fact he's bringing quotes probably from the Bible to bear is all the worse. Uh, and then just ending with one of the most powerful lines for the entire damn season it's okay, it's okay baby girl I got you, I got you from Joel Daly. Yeah,
0: so. No fear in love is a Bible verse um, I'm having so my computer's being a little slow and pulling it up but uh it is definitely a bible verse uh it looks like one uh it's on J- john 4 18. Mm. there is no fear in love but perfect love cast out fear because fear involves punishment blah 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 blah. okay Got um, you. so best line of the episode is this week we're not even doing a drum roll you know why because the drum roll said it. because the drum roll is meant to establish tension there's no tension because everybody knew what best line of the episode was going to be. This episode, there was never any question. It's okay, baby girl. Of course it is. Of yeah, course it of is. Of course
1: it is. It's everything we've been fighting for. Everything we've been hoping for. Everything it has been building for the last nine, eight episodes now. And here we are.
0: It had to be that because it's, it's what we care about, right? I mean I, I mm-hmm. care about I care about the stories within the stories, but you know, obviously the, the thread that pulls this whole thing together, the the people that we're rooting for is Joel and Ellie and the fact that they, they've now developed such a friendship and, and concern and love for each other. Shout out to it. Save who you can save. It's okay, baby girl. That's the last line of the episode.
1: I agree, sir. Well done. Familial
0: but, moment of the episode. Uh you, you mentioned that you had a few in mind. I'm curious to hear them. What are you thinking? I didn't have a few in mind. I had one in mind. And it's, what is your it's what? Joel snapping her back into reality after she was just in yeah. a wildly traumatic situation where she was, there was attempted murder. She was almost burned alive. She was almost raped. Uh, she was kidnapped. Uh, just, I don't even know the, the the number of crimes perpetrated on Ellie and the American judicial system Getting is, is high. extremely high this episode. And he has to pull her back into reality. And she gives him this hug that is like. Like a sort of like You're I'm ho- like arms. I'm home, everything is here, <clears throat> like I'm home type deal. Like I just I mm-hmm. got finally got home after a long journey journey, and that is super powerful. So that I mean I think that's got to be a familiar moment of the episode. However, we can talk about other scenes that maybe can vie for now, honorable mention.
1: I think that wins very much. So once I've mentioned for honorable mention, you've already referenced it. But Ellie's quick plan to ride off and be distraction so as to protect Joel is powerful self-sacrificing it is clearly an act done for a loved one and it's a powerful moment because of it uh, on a equally powerful but also uncomfortable kind of moment uh joel going Papa wolf on those three guys including Woo! threatening to pop a guy's kneecap off and
0: then brutally murdering both of them while he's still coming back from a an infection that almost killed him
1: This guy's running on sheer adrenaline because his family is under threat. We've heard always before that the guy got the most murderous, the most dangerous, most willing to compromise anything resembling ethics on the basis of protecting his family. And now his family is clearly under threat, and we're seeing a bit of the old Joel come back. Joel that he thought was dead and gone just a couple episodes ago when he was talking to Tommy.
0: But here we are. Indeed. Indeed.
1: Uh, that's what I've got for that one. I think I think I, I fundamentally agree with you, though, that ba- the baby girl line has to win for the moment of the episode just because it's so built up to and earned at this point.
0: I think you also have that moment where <clears throat> she gives him the drug and then curls up next to him Yeah, um, because sweet. she's she's just lost in the wilderness. And this is the last, you know, semblance of anything that she has resembling friends, family, comfort, safety anything uh even though he's seems to be dying and he's unconscious uh, just the fact that his body is there is enough to to give her enough comfort to be able to sleep so i think that's a pretty powerful scene too
1: agreed uh into right. some ethical questions sir i think you've already framed what needs to be there's the focal ethical question of this episode
0: <laughs> oh man yeah I, I can't wait to do 20 minutes on cannibalism let's let's fire away here let's start so, tuesday night
1: so Eating people and not in the fun way. Uh how do we what what do we
0: feel about Whoa. that? Whoa! uh Against, weirdly enough. Can uh, you're you, going yeah. against a un- weirdly cannibalism? enough, you're, against cannibalism. If it's at on you the going menu on limb here. On the menu, I go with something else. Okay. Uh, how about under the
1: circumstances that we see in this episode of where Look you know, dude, I don't even eat chicken. I know you don't, but <laughs> I, let's say not for you, but for other people. Do you believe that cannibalism can be ethically justifiable on the situation, si- situation and circumstances we see in this episode of a community of people that you're relying on? They're starving. What, could, could, could you forgive them for the circumstances of turning to alternative food sources to survive?
0: But here's the thing. They're not out of the other food. I
1: know they're not. That's the ultimate flaw of all of this is that clearly there's a certain element of them being full of shit.
0: Right. So, but let's play, let's game it out. Let's say they truly were out of food.
1: You're on a plane that just crashed into the Andes. You know, you're starving there. You got to find a means to survive. Is cannibalism at least an option? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's got to be right. Like, I mean, here's how I, here's how I think about this is that if we i'm on plane crash with my 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 friends and i'm the first one to die and they're starving Mm -hmm. i i would i would want them to eat me like i know it sounds like a kind of weird creepy thing but like i would rather that than them die too like if, if there's a way that like me dying could give them another week or two to try to to live to try to make it out of that situation of course i'd want them to do that i wouldn't want them to feel bad about it. I I know they'd feel weird about it, but I wouldn't want them to because they were just surviving. Right. Like, I mean, I think that's totally okay. This situation is very different than that, but in that gamed out situation where you're on the side of a mountain and it's just the four of you and one dies and the other three are starving and you know, you're just, you got a fire burning and you're waiting for another jet to fly over to save you. You got to eat the fourth guy, right? I mean, I, I, I know it sounds like a strange thing to say out loud. As I'm saying it, it sounds weird, but it seems like easy logic.
1: I, I'm straight there with you. Where the literal act of cannibalism, I don't actually have much of a moral qualm on that subject. Like, if you're eating somebody that's already dead, whatever else, you didn't you didn't murder them. You know, there's no aspect of, you know, other crime committed there. You're starving, whatever else. I don't see as much of an ethical issue on it, truly. And where I, you know, if you're desperate, if it's not harming anybody else, other than the fact that you're d- desecrating their corpse, which, whatever, I've been deemed that a more mild crime there, given the alternatives. I don't see as much of a problem with it. it it's interesting too that the famous example of that Uruguayan flight that crashed into the Andes, several of the people that survived by using cannibals, and they actually talked about how one of the things that helped them ethically work through it was that they were all intensely Catholic. And they essentially associated it with the Eucharist.
0: Yeah, that it was yeah. like
1: eating, eating the body of Christ. We are, we're eating of another person, a number of our friends, so that we can survive ourselves. So yeah, I mean, but, like
0: I, here's the thing, though. Like I, I think it's it's really great that we've never gone that route as a society, because sure, well, but I mean. It, yeah, for a lot of reasons. But also but this toilet but hey, green
1: could be in our future.
0: <laughs> because when humans develop a taste for something, they will compartmentalize a fucking way a to lot. continue eating it. People like people like bacon, right? And mm-hmm. if, by the way, if you like bacon, keep eating bacon. I'm not trying to tell I, anybody. I do like what, bacon. I'm not trying to tell anybody what to do, but I'm just stating facts. You most people would tell you eating a dog is ethically questionable. Because dogs are capable of intense attachment to humans, of love, of understanding language, of obeying commands, of being household pets, et cetera, et cetera, et
1: cetera. You're hurting our East Asian audience there, sir, but go on.
0: Pets are, pets are able, or pigs are a, are smarter than dogs and able to do everything a dog can do in spades. But we we will cage hundreds of millions of dogs pigs and kill them because we like big so we will compartmentalize away if we have a taste for something again not telling you to not do it i'm just stating facts that that is every people who eat meat in this country by and large compartmentalize the fact that those animals are capable of the same emotion love and intelligence that your household pets are able to display people just compartmentalize that say i don't want to think about that and then they just eat their meat so if we ever look down If we ever went down the road of eating can- of eating humans that just happened to already be dead, I can imagine that <laughs> humans being I'm humans, not. we would be compartmentalizing not, away any I'm other not. type of evil. I'm not saying you, but I'm just saying we would be compartmentalizing away any type of evil to eat the thing we want to eat.
1: And I'm not suggesting that it should be the number three at McDonald's if you're going for a combo meal. I'm not suggesting it should be a readily available alternative at the grocery store of hey, I'd like some of the fresh-cut ham, and oh yeah, can I have Tim? You know, thank you for naming where the meat came from. I appreciate that. But under circumstances of where there isn't a viable alternative, I think I, I, I think the ethical qualms die away. The cultural taboos become less relevant. Now, as you highlighted, this episode is in many ways not adequately exploring those, given we have a lot of indication that these guys are full of shit.
0: Yeah, yeah. We're, we're now talking about something that they, they didn't even display on the screen, right? But I, I would also say, like... What I what I just said might have sounded like super obvious, like, hey, I'm, I'm glad we haven't started eating humans because everybody beat eating humans. Blah, blah, blah. But like there have been points in humans getting to where we are now and the evolution of humanity where we they, people have had to make really difficult decisions about the normalization of eating human flesh and not going down that road. And many different societies around the world have made the decision over millennia to not go down that road so that it would not be normalized so that we, it could be as taboo as it is today. So uh, it, it was more of a real choice and a real decision for people a hundred, like 2000 years ago, 5,000, 10,000 years ago than now. So now it sounds a little silly, but what, I am glad that they never went down that road.
1: I love examples from like ancient mythology or lore that are clearly intended to give people moral lessons on the subject of cannibalism. Like, you go up to the uh, the Great Lakes uh, Native American tribes. The concept of the Wendigo, the idea that, you know, if you eat human flesh, a demonic spirit can possess you and just turn you into a nonstop evil creature that gains increasing power and hurts those around you constantly by eating human flesh. Seems like it's clearly intended to be a lesson to children on the subject that eating humans is bad. Clearly because there was a point of where starvation or otherwise, that subject came up. All kinds of cultures have something similar.
0: Yeah, you wouldn't have created that if it wasn't in some way appealing to some people at some point.
1: Yes. Or at least some people weren't tempted or circumstances didn't make it a little bit less ethically, you know, balmy.
0: Yeah. So shout out to people who over the millennia of human existence... Never went down that road so that we can sit here now and be all high and mighty about the fact that of course we don't eat humans like great that's great it's a what? good position to be in. but no. if we had ever we did ever if we had ever decided it was bacon oh it would have been a weird world where do you stand
1: though on David's point about that he has greater responsibilities to ensure that his people don't starve and that ethical qualms about cannibalism go out the window when he is responsible for keeping his people alive and well fed do you is, Ignoring the fact that he's full of shit, what do we think about that? Just a
0: philosophical point. So I think that, in so having the option of eating the people who happen to die, I I, I get sure. the sense there was enough people in that meat locker he's been killing people, but people who happen to have died is eating like them an
1: so organ, that you, It's like so an you organ donor starve. card.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes yes please oh, by the way i would fill that one out yes please eat me if that yeah. means you don't starve i would i would actually check that box but not mm-hmm. everybody would but i would but i think that that decision yes i'm going to eat people instead of starve we've established sh- could sure. be sure could be reasonable in certain situations here's where it falls apart don't trick them into doing it mm-hmm. you need to tell everybody what they're doing you need to say hey guys we're all starving here there's this dead body i'm gonna eat some of it you guys do what you want to do like that's yeah. kind of the discussion i would hope they'd have
1: supplies are running low we got to get through this winter it's not ideal but let me tell you about the donner party and like explain what desperation is
0: yeah there you go cannibalism i think we fixed it
1: i, I yeah I, i'm really happy that we've been able to overcome several thousands of years of cultural taboo on this two-hour podcast
0: yeah anything else for ethical questions of the episode i kind of focus on that one i want to end on the
1: subject of us justifying cannibalism. okay so
0: we're not going to touch. we're not going to touch pedophilia that's good i think that's just there's just, no point th- there's really no ethical question that comes up it's just bad so there's i guess there's nothing really to discuss whereas the cannibalism part at least you could game yourself into a situation where you might think well maybe that's something i have to do instead of starve yeah all right i can see it good segment anything else we should discuss here in episode eight of last of us
1: we're going towards the finale, sir. I'm curious. Would you like to make some predictions about what you expect to see in the final
0: episode of this season? Well, the it's it's a strange place to be setting up for a finale because most of the time with a season, when you get to a finale, it's been building toward a certain plot thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like. Uh, oh man, the, the start of the dance of the dragons is going to start. And we've been seeing it go, go, go. And now we know in episode 10 that Rennaro is going to find out the news that her father's dead and blah, blah, blah. Like you, you can look at the finale and go, there are plot points. This is headed to it. I'm excited to see them. All that's out the window because like, I don't even, I don't even know when Joel and Ellie walk off. I don't even know what their goals are. I don't even know where they want to go is it still in their mind to try to get Ellie to the fireflies? Are they just trying to get somewhere to survive? Like no fucking idea. So I have like in that respect, I think the show has been very successful, but in that respect, like I kind of wish the show had structured it a bit differently so that Mm -hmm. we were building toward a finale I could look forward to. To me, it just seems like every other episode.
1: Yeah. It's a less clear path forward because at least at this point, the main motivation the characters have is to want to be together. And what else comes, what else comes next is kind of less relevant just so long as that the family bonds that they have forged can remain. Yeah.
0: So, I don't know. I, I don't think they've given... I mean, I guess I could watch the next on and they'll probably spoil the D- whole damn thing for me. Just don't do it. <laughs> I was really disappointed in that. I thought that was bad form by them to give HBO me that last was, scene.
1: I usually count HBO to be better than like major movie studios in that regard. But I'm with you. That little scene of that hug at the end of the snow, it's like, well, there's only one way that can come back up. So I know where we're going.
0: Yeah, that was that was a bad move on each part. So uh, I don't even have really have predictions or things I'm looking for in the final episode. I guess if we can get more, I guess. But I don't even need more Joel and Ellie because like we've gotten to we've gotten them to a 10. So we could all like honestly, we could end the season on this episode. I'd feel very fulfilled. I'd be Mm -hmm. happy we got the characters to where we wanted. I never thought Ellie was going to get to Fireflies who were going to harvest her blood to find a cure anyway in season one. So, yeah, I feel like I got everything I wanted. So whatever we get the next episode's all gravy.
1: Do we know what the name of the last episode is? Which I can look up as I'm asking you this question because I don't remember.
0: Yeah, I don't know. As you look that up, I guess I'll do a bit of housekeeping. If you're enjoying this please. episode, please subscribe, rate, and review all the, the ratings and reviews on all the various podcast apps and systems we all look at, we all track, uh, we, or we track all of them. Um, I read all of them. You can also check us out at man, uh, talks.com or facebook.com slash MangumTalks talks or on Twitter at MangumTalks. talks. So just pretty much any platform you got, just go MangumTalks talks and you can find us again. We're doing a lot of podcasts this next couple months. We are finishing this up. We're doing Mandalorian over on Mangum Talk Star Wars. We're going to do Succession on the Line of Succession podcast. And then we're going to review Ted Lasso week by week on the Lasso Lowdown. So all of that coming up for you here in the next couple months on the Mangum Talks podcast network.
1: Looking forward to next week, we will be watching Look for the Light, the last episode of the first season of The Last of Us.
0: Okay. Look for the light. Spencer, anything else you want to say before we wrap up?
1: Now I thought this was a great episode man I enjoyed it it was what I've come to expect out of what is now quality HBO water cooler television so I'm really excited for the finale I will be very excited to discuss it with you
0: and we've now ca- talked about cannibalism for 20 minutes on a podcast so we've got that going for us
1: you know I look forward to doing so again in the future
0: thanks everybody for listening we'll be back with you next week for episode 9 the finale season 1 of The Last of Us hope everybody has a good week see you then